This Conversation, presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. Well, everyone, here we are. 2020 is behind us. And now 2021 lays out stretched before us. We've called this episode an unforgettable 2020. For obvious reasons, I hope. I just wanted to say thanks for listening these past few years. This last one was, well, it was something else. This next one, I hope, is much, much better for all of us. We've put together some of our best clips from this past year. I hope you enjoy them. Again, thanks for listening, and Happy New Year. Is that not why it makes more sense than ever, if you're a professional photographer, to focus on relationships with your clients? Absolutely. That's the piece that you bring to the table. Absolutely. And it's the piece that the consumer, the millennial consumer is looking for. They want to know you. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Relationships are very important to them. Um, And and, and there's data that PPAVA had that I'll be talking about in imaging Mm -hmm. uh, on on a talk Sunday night that talk about what the consumer criteria is, you know, the path to purchase journey. And you've hit the nail on the head and and given away the trade secret. Um, it's, It's relationships. You know, people want to be able to do business because it's not artificial intelligence and because it overcomes the technological advances made in cameras and lenses and image sensors and onboard processing because it's the human heart that feels life and feels personification. Um, they want that relationship. And so, yeah, I would say avail yourself to your client. And in fact, I think we've seen a transition in the industry already where a lot of the up and coming, uh, the new breed of photographer, um, young women in particular are very effective because they're taking pictures of other young women's children and mm. young women relate to young women. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of resonance there. A lot of resonance there. You know, it's, it's not a functional or, or, you know, sterile environment in which you're dealing with a photographer. You're, you're, because again, you're emotionally wed to the occasion. It is, yeah. you've hired somebody who's charging you quite a bit of money and should, because they're really good at what they do but therefore you want it to come out right. And it isn't just a functional relationship where they're standing at the altar getting the shots or they're posing. You know, they're working and engaging with you constantly and you have to trust them. Um, the other thing that you didn't ask, and I'll jump to the yeah, thing. In addition to the relationship, it, it, it's meeting the consumer, the millennial consumer, where the millennial consumer plays in, in the spaces and places that they behave, and it's online. Because it's a job. There's days where you hate it. I don't right. care how passionate you are about right. something. And I know plenty of people who are incredible artists and they're super passionate about it and they can't make a living out of it. Also that. Because they can't look at it as a business. And I've always looked at it from the business standpoint, like how do I make this make me money? Like, Well, haven't you also seen where someone has like a passion or a hobby or whatever and then once it becomes their job or their main source of revenue, they get burnt out or they mm-hmm. or ceases to become their passion yep. or their hobby to the point where they just don't like, well, you said that guy, maybe that guy you worked for. That's exactly for, what happened. Maybe that's what happened to him. Yep. Cause I think, I mean, he was an incredible photographer. Mm-hmm. He hated the business side of it. That's why I got so good at the business side of it because I did all the business side right, of it. Cause you were for doing him. that already. Yep. Right. And he just, he got burnt out because it wasn't, it wasn't what he thought. And I think a lot of people go into any business, whether it's photography, fitness, hair, makeup, whatever it is, because they have it as a hobby and they really enjoy it as a hobby. And then all of a sudden, once it shifts into being a business, only about 10% of what you do is the stuff you enjoy. The other 90% (laughs) is work. It's the marketing and the cleaning up and the having to get back to people and emails and phone calls. And it's like, yeah, what, what happened and people don't realize that that switch happens yeah. when you have to do it for a profit. Of course. Okay, mm-hmm. so you've both fallen into my trap. Oh, good. Oh, boy. How do you prevent that healthy, thicker skin from becoming cynical, jaded, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. By hanging out with someone like her. Yeah. And, and Or I'm going to start... Mm, I'm, Oh. Or watching my kids oh. and hearing them because there's nothing. We we went through something really rough this year, mm. this last past year, um, as leaders. 
And the podcast was so big for me because it gave us a chance to connect and talk about positive things and good things and fun things and get, but it was a really rough time for us. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not, no, there was a couple of, there was a couple of times where, you know, we have to record these episodes cause we've made a yeah. commitment right. and there was a couple of times where both of us just didn't have it. And it's like, we yeah. didn't have, we were just spent, right. You know, but we, we kept each other and then we would get off and go, that felt good. But she keeps me like from getting there to be getting jaded and not, you know, not care, not, I don't think I could ever not care, but, taking it for granted or whatever taking it for granted it keeps me it keeps me grounded in that and it reminds me to don't let go and lose all of that because even though i've done this a while i'm not done yet yeah i don't and when and when i will be done when i can't but you know hanging out with people like kira and, and other like i was talking earlier about allison watkins on the board with us and hearing that energy because they're about in the same place years wise with their business mm -hmm. and my, my children who are older starting their careers so it's do exciting. you think that isolation is someone's enemy? When oh, they're... I do. I do. That's a good observation. I do. Yeah. And that's exactly why we have a podcast. I think we didn't really know the answer to this question. We've actually been talking about it. Mm -hmm. We've kind of been around this, but we sit a lot. Now, granted, we're with some clients, right? Mm -hmm. But we spend a lot of our time sitting in a corner mm -hmm. or wherever yeah. on our computer, learning, marketing, editing, whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. And we're alone and we're our head and it's like you go hours without speaking to anyone right and you hear yeah. the yeah. yeah and you hear this a lot like oh i listen to your podcast while i'm editing or i'm sitting here calling a, a school order and it's so exciting because it's like oh there's other people like me out there and right and you, you know, do make that connection even 100%. even though it's not you know in real time or whatever and you're not actually there 100%. but it but maybe it does help someone get out of you said in your head mm -hmm. to get out of your head because if 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 you stay there and and you're getting emails that are mm -hmm. discouraging, mm -hmm. we'll say, say right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 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 you stay there and you isolate rather than going the other way and getting out. Mm -hmm. That can become a very dangerous place. I think we spend too much time worrying about where people start and not enough time about where people need to go. So unpack that one. I I hate phrases like those people, oh, they got a camera for Christmas, so now they're a photographer. Good for them. Oh. Good for them. Oh, this is a bit of a rebuke. Yes. Why do you care where they started? Okay. I love it. Right? Yeah. Gotcha. I started as an electrician. Right. 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 Right? Right. So doesn't mean your history is not important. Don't, don't sure. misunderstand that. But sure. I think we spend too much time of like, well, you used to do this. Uh-huh. You know, and if I'm in a conversation and people talk about the good old days of the industry, yeah. I'll leave the room. Really? Yes. Because I believe the best days are always ahead of us. Right. And they if, certainly can be. Yes. And right? if someone's, and at least in our affiliate, in our local group, if someone says the good old days, I will rebuke them. Not publicly. You take them to the side. Well, I'll just say, when you say the good old days, everyone else that hears that yeah. think this is not good. Right. That's well. That's the implication. That's the implication. Even if that's not what you're trying to get across, it's it's certainly, especially for newer people or younger people that are less experienced or weren't part of those quote unquote good old days. Yes, you're inferring that oh, you were part. So it's already divisive. Like it, right on, right out of the gate. It's already divisive. Am I getting this? It's already divisive. Right. Absolutely. Right. And when you have associations set up with aspiring members and professional members you're where, you at, where you're, you've actually you're created two you're, separate camps you're walking in the door divided i get you okay you right know. right right off the bat right off the bat so so part of that question you ask is how do you keep that mindset mm -hmm. is i'm always like okay where am i going mm -hmm. not where have i been okay where i've been helps me know where i might go mm -hmm. but it doesn't need to define where i okay. go okay I like that too. I I know cameras pretty well. I would say I yeah. still I still go over the man. I st I don't want to say read the manual. I don't want to be that guy. But <laughs> but but I don't want to be that guy. You know I know what I know what that guy is. I'm not that. <laughs> but I am saying. But I am saying be curious. Be curious. Yes. Be curious. Allow yourself to be curious. Please either. do it. Be curious. What what is this feature I've never used? Right. And then write down in your piece of paper, how can this feature be used in a job? Why, why was this feature even engineered? Right. Why, was why, it, there? why is it there? Right. Yeah, why is it there? You know, right. um, you know those focusing, pre-programmed focusing styles that Canon cameras have, like yes. 
like focusing one is for speedy movement or right, right, right. Yeah. two is for like vertical movement yep. and three um, I've actually seen that in the manual <laughs> <laughs> well I'll tell you what when my son was born Lucas um, I never looked at those things I never really did and uh-huh. and now with uh, when the like when the when these cameras come out and you kind of want to experiment with, with what these things are for right I actually started being curious about this uh-huh. and I not that I ever would you know in my professional life, I would never use those presets. You know, I, I just use the, the focusing the way I do. But I started using, I started getting curious about these presets, photographing my child running around like crazy, and um, I nailed 99% of him, no matter where he was. And right. and when you try to do that manually, uh, I can still get a pretty high percentage. But the technology was there for a reason, and mm-hmm. I was never curious curious enough to to explore it. And now that I do, I'm like, hmm. How can I use this in a job? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe this technology is there for a reason. Maybe right. maybe these things are worth looking at in, with more detail. Um, the silent shutter on the Canon EOS R. Mm-hmm. How could I use that in a job? What if you're photographing somebody very that's apprehensive about being photographed, or mm-hmm. is awkward, or is uncomfortable? Would this silent shutter be a tool that you could use? You know, mm-hmm. and and the eye tracking. So not only can this person not not see a camera right in front of their face, but but they won't hear the shutter interrupting. What if they're telling a story, and that story awakens that essence that we're trying to photograph, because their their brain triggers expression in the face, right? And we're trying to photograph that entire process. But if the shutter keeps going off, it's distracting to the whole experience. I would say that our unity and us right here, right now is all of effect of all of all of the events because that's another thing that you know again mario and i i think mario's getting closer there is i don't believe that there are problems in life i believe that there are events and it's our willingness to cling to or push them away that that we make them a problem Mm -hmm. so but it is those events that has brought us to here that has made me the person that i have that that i am that has made him the person that he is and it's our ability to impact others with love and sharing and 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 I think that's where happiness comes from. That's yeah. where productivity is. And and removing and removing ego out of the equation. You know, we our our company, the family, the brothers, we also have our cousin works with us as well. You know, and <clears throat> it's funny because one of the number one things in this industry, you know, people are like, "Oh, you know, how how upset is your brother that you won first place?" And, and yeah. the funny thing is, is, is there's you, none of that years ago years ago tom said said this in a seminar he said my goal is to one day be the worst photographer in our I, studio actually actually it, I, I did say that in the seminar but it, actually it's in it's in writing i uh i think it was the second time i diamond it was it was a long time ago at ppa and and uh they said well listen you've won this you've won that you've done this you know what are your next photographic goals and in writing, I said, I want my next photographic goal is I want to be the worst photographer in the studio. You want to be the worst one. Yeah. Because you want all the rest of them to right. excel so much. Like that's, that's where you're really at. See, yeah. for me, for me, like, let's, let's look Kinda back at that, that big moment. brother thing going on too. Well, but go back to that moment of, uh, yeah. as, as, a chi- as, yeah. as, as a child. Yes. Like for me, like, I just like everybody to be together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm yeah. happy. We're all together. We're all happy. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. And think about it. How, how much more difficult is it for a younger brother to grow up in the shadow of an older brother when that older brother wants to be Justin Timberlake yeah. and not be in sync? Right. Right. When everybody wants to be in sync. Right. We lift each other up right. instead of lift one person caring about themselves. I have a question. Uh, when do we start the podcast? Oh yeah, what, do we, what are we supposed to talk about? Something like are photography, we, I, I, business related, or important? <laughs> I, I feel like this you. is just this a is a lot up. like our podcast. Yes, I know. <laughs> this is not your podcast. I've listened to your podcast. Your podcast is so Gary the delicious dish. If you could, <laughs> you're like so intimate and uh, like a good reviewer. A, a good. I mean, you're a, a great interviewer. Yeah, Jed has a hard, very hard to be. Very hard to be. One of the reasons that I have you know been so shocked that you have so you know just blatantly avoided having me on your show. <laughs> Is that I've, unlike every other show, I think I'd enjoy being on your show, and uh, and the fact that you have ignored that has been detrimental. Oh, I do apologize. I do apologize. You had Gary on the podcast twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. This is this is my no, third time. This is twice. This is his third time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do I not read into that? 
the why? obvious animosity that is there. Why do we? It's very <laughs> it passive aggressive. Like really. Oh man. Yeah. What, I think what? it's. I think it's clear. How laid have right we, out. How have we never met each other? I don't know. Isn't that weird? I don't know. It it's a, you probably have, if you look at Facebook and how many mutual friends you have, it's probably yeah. the large majority of your entire like. Yeah, there's a good chance time. I have met you and just don't remember it because I, I meet so many people. He drinks and you too, lot. I'm sure, right? Uh, meet I a lot meet of people. a lot of people, but I knew that I had, I've known for a long time that I And you know why? You. Because I am a successful podcaster. It's funny you never had me on the show. <laughs> Well, I'll be fair. We've never had Jed on our show. The fact that you—the fact that I stick in your head—you knew I've never had Bruce on the show, and yet I you did. couldn't just pick up the phone. No. So now the I'd podcast is officially. Or here's an idea: way ask your scared. buddy, ask your buddy Gary Hughes. I have talked to him about talking to you. Ah. Before. That's initially how this. Happened. Wait a minute. Thanks, I talked, Jed. I Slowly to you. I turned. <laughs> I talked to by you. Step inch by inch. I told him that I want to talk to both of you. Ah, on both this, of us. Oh yeah, of course, both trip. of us. I understand. We're a package deal. You don't want to have <laughs> George Burns over here without Gracie. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. What song you, are you gonna play on the organ so I can dance so like a monkey? <laughs> <laughs> Bicycle built for yeah, two. You wanna, yeah. Oh, by yeah. the way, on your third time, bring your lovely spouse along, Gary. <laughs> So, Bouvet's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder when it comes to this issue. We, if we want to get, if we want to get down, I mean, to like the literally brass every tacks. person I know, it was on your podcast. I finally got to the point where I was like, "There must be a reason. Like, there must be a reason he has that." We don't know each other. That never, that never. I you know those people. I knew it's extremely rare. Like today, I, I Joel Grimes sat right there, and I was terrified. Wait, I'm sitting in Joel Grimes' seat right now. <laughs> You're sitting right where Joel Grimes sat. And I was terrified because the first time, it was like with you. I was terrified to talk to you initially because the first time I talked to Joel Grimes in my life was in our podcast. Right. Like, like you don't know if you're going to have a good rapport with someone. You have no idea. No. Like, Everybody knows that. There's and, nothing that's worse than an interview that's just crashing because you're just not collect, clicking right. with the person. What's, what's your message for people overall right now? Cl- close, close with that. Tell me. Tell me what your message is for people right now. I think that um, I think what I when I when I'm around friends who are honest and candid about their situation right now, um, I think to your point a second ago, I think it's really okay for people to feel a little scared and to understand that this is a moment that it, we it feels. Um, It's always been unpredictable what's coming next, but right now we're way more universally aware of Mm. we don't know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And um, that I think if I was going to give one message, I would say um, you're not going to, your best way to get through the season, but not just through the season, to really set up for the next season, which I think is the work we need to be doing right now, is to start with a minimally I keep saying minimally viable, but just like the littlest effort you can do to feel like you have a handle on one portion of your universe. <laughs> and if that's like this big, like like two inches by two inches, that's plenty. You can you can do something with that. But what you can't do much with is 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 this kind of mental abstraction that you're gonna do is this Herculean effort and get yeah. it's like it's not gonna work, man. Like right now, if what you need to do is organize your your junk drawer do that uh gets get a little stability under your like your legs under you mm. and then make, make a little build from there a little build from there you never been starstruck no. <laughs> oh, okay so so, so I'll, I'll tell you <laughs> i got a perfect anecdote for that so I, sometimes i dream a lot of times i don't i had this really vivid dream where i was at uh, uh coachella me at Coachella never happened. But I was okay. at Coachella and I was out in the crowd and there was a stage over there in the distance. I visualized as Woodstock more in my era. But there was uh-huh. a stage in the distance and I was in the in the middle of people and a small figure in a hoodie is trying to move through the crowd kind of urgently and uh, toward the stage. And so I just decided to be a, a, a guy and and break through the crowd. So I get in front of this little person and I lead him up the stage and and it's it's uh, Rihanna. I, I realize when we when we get up there to the uh, to the uh, uh, roadies and the guards and everything, and they let us through the rope, and we go back up, and we and she takes my hand, pulls me up on stage, and she goes, "Thanks so much, man. I thought I'd never make it in time." 
She goes, you want to get a, you want to get a couple of selfies here? I say, <laughs> yeah. And I take out my camera and I shove her out of the frame and I shoot <laughs> myself. <laughs> and I shoot myself with the Coachella crowd in the background because no, I'm not starstruck <laughs> at all. <laughs> There's so I, I many great things about that story. I actually woke up laughing. I was going, what the? What the hell, Bruce? <laughs> you know, I, I had I, in my mind, I kept thinking, who's he going to say? Who's it going to be? <laughs> and I was going like 60s, 70s, all through. And it was. <laughs> and we so were shining good. like diamonds. We were shining <laughs> like diamonds. So it's rare for me. I don't, in fact, I'm trying to think if I have ever done this. I don't know if I've ever had the conversation with the employee, right? I'm always, you know, and, and a, lot, a lot of people don't have employees to begin with, right? A lot of people are just right. one person shows or maybe just a husband yeah. and wife team and nobody else. Um, so this is actually really interesting to me. I've been trying to wrap my mind around coming at it from this angle. My wife and I have had a studio for 20 years and we've had up to 10 employees before. Um, and so mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if I'm on you know, if I'm watching this or I'm listening to this, what do I want to get from an employee's perspective? Because it's so unique. It's so different. First of all, why do you work for somebody else? Well, first of all, I hate numbers, so I could never <laughs> do a payroll. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, that's a perfect. That's a fantastic answer. To be honest with you, I hate numbers, so I could yeah. never do taxes, payroll, yeah. any of that. And so I started with Scott and Jen when I was a freshman in college. So five years ago, do the math. Um, mm -hmm. And right away when I met them, like we just connected on a really interesting level. You know, they treat me so well. They treat me like, you know, we always joke like, well, am I talking to you as my boss, my coworker, right. my second parent, right. my friends? So, right. you know, like when you just meet people who take care of you and you share the same values and the same, you know, outlook and perspective. It's just why break that bond? I have, I have two children of color. I don't know if you knew that, but I do. Um, my daughter's from Nepal. My son is from Thailand and it's, it's coming up more and more. My daughter's 10, my son is seven and we we're talking about skin color Yes. And they and they're asking questions like my and we and we talk about it at this point. Um, we're, we're talking more and more about racism and what that is and how and how people treat people differently because of what they look like sometimes. And we even talk about with my daughter, because you're a woman, sometimes you'll be treated differently. Like we're 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 trying to teach them. I want to teach my children well. And I don't know. I don't always know how to do it. Um, even with what I said to you earlier, like I feel like I just misspoke when I said you get used to it. And and how could you get used to something like that? I don't. And it's and it's difficult because I I don't know. I have no idea what it's what it's like. I can't. I can't imagine the fog that you're talking about. I believe you that it's there for you. And I'm concerned that at some point it will be there for them as they get older and they understand more um, and they see it more and they're starting to comprehend more. Um, I don't know how to, I want to prepare them and I don't, I don't know if I know how to do it. I mean, education is, 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 is powerful, period. Making them aware of the world in general is important for sure. Making them understand, you know, the power that they have um, and the power is in being different. You know, um, I talk about that a lot. As a photographer, your superpower, it really is in, in use, you know, using your fingerprint. And we all had that fingerprint, whether it's, you know, how you look, how you view the world. We all have this, this way that's unique to us. And that's a superpower. 
some people try to take that way and make you feel like you need to be like everybody else, but you don't. So the, the sooner you get used to accepting what others may see as whatever, the better you'll be. The superpower is really being secure in who you are. And I think that's the most important person, most important thing you can teach any child to be, you know, self-sufficient to, to really understand their value as a human being, first and foremost. I don't think people realize that they're the boss sometimes. Yeah. Have you run into that? Have you ever uh, like, oh, right. I don't know if I can do that or what if I do that? And it's just like, right. if you do something and you want to change it, you can change it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't need Try something else. On Facebook to affirm your every decision. <laughs> also that. Also right. that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how many times I've looked at somebody and said, you're the boss. <laughs> you get to decide. And yeah. if it falls on its face, you just toss it and you do okay. something else. Right? Yeah. yeah. We have lots of people who will come in and say, well, I've been thinking about doing this and um, I'm really struggling with, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I write back to them literally in the face. I said, what do you want to do? And they say, <laughs> Well, I want to do this, this, and this, and I just write, then do it. Do then that. Do that. <laughs> and they're like, and they're, it's almost like I have lifted this big thing off their shoulder. Why do we need permission, you guys? We need permission almost, mm -hmm. right? I don't. That is, that is my, <laughs> that is my superpower. And Rachel can agree with that. That is something that, um, I don't know where this came from because my parents are not like this way, but I am... <laughs> very much the act first, ask permission later type oh, of thing. But yeah. you need a little bit of that. And you need yeah. a little bit of, I don't know, a little bravery and a little bit of sass to say, listen, I don't want to do bit. this anymore. Right. We had one yesterday on a coaching call. We had a, a woman really, really struggling with the fact that she doesn't like canvases. She just doesn't like them. She couldn't find a canvas that she liked. And I finally said, I'm like, well, do you even like canvas artwork? And she's like, no. And I said, well, then don't sell it. Don't, don't offer it. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it's, and I get it. Yeah. It's so easy for us to present it in a way. It's so commonsensical, but it's, you, we all know what it's like to be on the other side of that and to be in that lady's shoes where you don't even see it as an option. It's yeah. not even a thing. You're just like, well, I obviously have to offer canvases because everybody offers canvases and what kind of canvas should I offer? And you start yeah. asking questions that are based on a foundation that doesn't need to exist in the first place. Right. Exactly. I feel like I need to step off my soapbox a little bit. You guys are getting me all fired <laughs> up. A month or two ago, I signed up for an account because someone was like, you need to put your little podcast bits and pieces since you're doing more video yeah. You need to put that on TikTok. And in my mind, I'm like, well, that's just a bunch of girls dancing around. No. <laughs> no, but did you? So you have an account. You have like made a profile though, right? Because that's that's kind of the thing that people don't get is that if you just kind of go on and your user like five different numbers, right? You're just going to get fed a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And so how do you? So what do you? Go you ahead, have go to start ahead. curating. Oh, you're good. You have to start curating your feed by liking what they're feeding you so that your for you page is curated to it's like the algorithm anywhere, right? Well, I haven't liked anything because I'm I'm I, I don't think I've liked anything because I'm terrified of what they're gonna send me. Yeah. Okay, so here, let me break it down for you a little bit. So it used to be musically, and musically was really big with kids. Like it was a really big social platform for younger Gen Zers, basically. Um and then it was bought by TikTok. So I started talking to photographers about TikTok about a year ago. And at first people were like, stop it. We're not, we're not doing it. Because it's I another still, one or why would they, why, why, why? Because what you just said, you hop on as no, like if you just hop on and you don't make a profile and you just start looking at what they're feeding you, it's like, I don't know about this. I mean, like there's a whole bunch of crazy weird stuff on there. Like, and there's no, like, if there's anything goes, right? There's no rhyme or reason, it seems like. It so is it's anything very goes. overwhelming for people. TikTok is anything goes? Yeah, I mean, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not just about young dancing people. There is that on there. Right. But there is a whole bunch of other stuff, too. And so many people are using it for business now. So, but nobody was 
really when I started talking about in my group to the senior photographers. And I was like, guys, literally like our client base, that is where they are. That is where they are. And I'm huge on marketing. So like, you know, that's kind of my love language. And I kept trying to explain to them, like, you have to understand, even if you don't want to be on TikTok, even if you don't want to like upload videos and kind of have this presence there or become TikTok famous or whatever, um, you have to at least know what your clients are consuming because you won't know how to speak to them in their language unless you know what they're consuming. And that's just a really, that's, so that's my, my big hope is that more senior photographers can understand that that's one of the main reasons that we really need to be on there. But there's so many other cool things about it too. Do you, you know where they say you can see the worst tattoos you'll ever see in your whole entire life? Right on the thigh of a tattoo artist. You know why? It's a big chunk of real estate to try. And it's really hard to get anyone to give you a shot at getting a tattoo if you can't show the work. So, you never heard that before? <laughs> That's the worst tattoos you'll ever see. Because you just sit there and you draw on your leg with your tattoo gun. That's what you do when you're trying to learn how to tattoo. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. I love it. I'm going to try I, it. I can't wait to I try think, it. <laughs> I think with photography, I think with, with anything, um, so much of it is you can have the desire Mm-hmm. You can have the skill set, but you always are, you're, you're going to find people reluctant to be the first mm-hmm. and you need one, mm-hmm. you need one. And then once you have one and you go like the, the whole conversation changes, yeah. which this is, an, this is an amazing segue. So then we're, we're killing it in sports. We're growing like crazy in sports. And I wanted to do schools. I want to do yearbooks. And we've never done them before. And I decided I wanted to do them. And uh, so we approached the school and I put in an RFP and it was terrible. It was terrible. My RFP was the most ridiculously bad thing. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, It was like pathetic. I have one copy. I have one copy of it that I keep in my office. Um, So if I'm ever feeling really prideful, I sit down and I read this and I was like, remember when you thought this was good? And, <laughs> and it grounds me uh, back to, to reality. Because to yeah, yeah. we're always growing, we're always changing. Yeah. So I put in a bid for a school and I lost. And then I tried again in three years and I lost. And I realized um, that I needed one. So then I started approaching a lot of charter schools a lot of everybody, just anyone who would, who would answer the phone. Starting started smaller. Calling. Yep. Yep. S- started calling anyone who talked to me. And I ended up booking a school in Minneapolis. That was a, uh, a very small charter school it was an immersion school. And they had uh, 79 kids total. The whole school, 79 right. kids, the whole thing. And I was like, well, this is our, this is our one. And so we went in and we killed it. Yeah. Did an amazing job on those 79 portraits. Yeah. <laughs> are yeah. Amazing. Right. Right. I believe uh, you. But then I took that and I grew it into a charter school that was 1400 kids the next year. I took how, that. How do you do that though? But t- just for a second, like what does yeah. that actually look like? how do you get to that to getting into that school yeah, i mean i know you got the one and it was 79 kids and then the next year you had yep. one with 1400 like what what really happens in between so you speak what you seek and i think that um if you want to be successful in the world you tell people what you can do for them yeah. all the time you can't offer regular photography like you just can't be that regular style, that regular, nothing special, just basic stuff. You have to have, you have to have one genre that you do that is different. 
So you have to find some, that one thing that sets you apart from mm. everybody else mm -hmm. and really, really, really focus on that one thing, build a portfolio, uh, you know, something that you can replicate, not something that, you know, you fluked into making this amazing image one time and, and geez, you can't figure out how to do it again. Right. But something where you have a consistent body of work in this one genre and something that everybody wants, right. you know, and, and you can do it like there's, you know, there's all kinds of different things that you can, you can focus on and find that one thing. I, um, I, you know, when you're saying that, like mm -hmm. the first part of it, I understand. And I think in my mind, I think, yeah, that's doable to focus on something and be different and, and focus on that one thing and get it right. And even the consistency piece, I understand all that. But the second part, the second okay. part freaks me out oh. a little bit. And that seems um, relatively unattainable in that it also has to be something that everybody wants. How do I, how do I, the first part I got, the second part, how do I make sure that it's, how do I make it something that everybody wants? I can be really, really good at doing something and it might be something that nobody cares about. Okay. It has to be a type of image that evokes an emotional response. Okay. So emotional response can be your grandparents, you know, older folks, mm. you see a picture of an old couple and they're, they're hugging and their eyes are closed. People go nuts over it. Mm -hmm. Suddenly now, guess what? Grandkids, kids, they want that picture. So that's something from, but it has to evoke an emotional response, whatever yeah. it is. Okay. And, and, and so when you're, when you're considering what type or what genre or whatever, for me, the number one thing was find something first and foremost that I love to do, mm. right? Because it has to be fun and it has to be right. something that you have a passion for because that will show that will come out in your work. Right. That's true. Yeah. So, so number two, it has to evoke an emotional response. And for me, it was, oh, I wish I did this when my daughter was a little girl. I would love to have all of these pictures of her, yeah. you know? And, and so it, for me, I think it has to be something to do with kids. Um, it can't be a gorgeous model because guess what? That does not sell and they don't have money at all. Um, it has to be, it has to be kids. It has to be babies. It has to be um, even maybe high school seniors ish. I don't know. We don't have that genre up here um, or, or parents, grandparents, something that is different with those that will generate an emotional response. Yeah. It has to be an emotional response. Headshots, all that other stuff, that's, you know, they can get that anywhere. And there's going to be a lot of good photographers doing that style. You know, um, I, I, I still believe, truly believe that old, our old people is a missing genre that is not being focused on enough because people will pay for that. People want that. And, and there's a million different ways you can do it. For instance, if you go on to 500px and you follow some of these incredible Russian photographers, there's a few of them that are focusing on the relationship between grandma and grandpa. And they're just mind blowing. And those are the, that style right there. If somebody were to focus on that, I guarantee you that that would generate that emotional response, which opens up the wallet. So I have your Instagram feed pulled up. I've been looking at your Instagram stuff for years. I don't even know how long it's been. And I want to mention something about your imagery. Yeah. There's so much to them. You know, like there's a, when you, when you read a really good book, right. And then it, you get to the point where you even read it a second time. I'm a reader. So I, I read books mm -hmm. multiple times sometimes and you pull so much out of it you didn't even how did i miss that the first time when i look sure. at your images on your feed i can i look at them and then i go back and i sometimes look through again right mm -hmm. and i don't you don't you do this with a lot of people but i see new things or i notice new details or it's like i have a different perspective you have so much stuff packed in and it's like <laughs> every image too <laughs> Why, why is, why is there stuff like that? I want, I, and, and I'm not, I don't mean to say that there's an easy button that you can throw out there for no. people, but how would you talk about your own stuff yeah. in regards to what I'm saying to you? Okay. So, um, 
how I describe my style generally is that it is a clean, bold, and graphic style that portrays women in a way that is both strong and elegant. Mm. That is my elevator pitch. That's kind of the way I describe things. And that's what I that's use true. as my, my guiding principle. Um, and so when it comes to like, let's talk clean, bold, and graphic. So let's do the clean yeah. and graphic. So in any of my shots, I want literally every pixel to be on purpose, whether mm. that means every hair, every color, every tone, like there's nothing that's by mistake, zero. Yeah. Um, and the graphic element is in my compositions. It's in the makeup. Uh, it's in the way that I use contrast. Um, I'm integrating that for the graphic element. And then the bold, the bold means I don't want you to ever look at my photo and go, okay, that's nice. Like there's gotta be something that, that was uh, pushing the edge a little bit, like the super saturated colors or the super high contrast yeah. black and white or the crazy makeup or something that was just a little bit beyond safe. Um, and then for portraying women with strength and elegance, I don't do um, like gritty and, and rough um, strength. I do, uh, the way I like to portray strength tends to be with dignity, which is why it's, you know, elegance and dignity uh, hand in hand. So yeah. you don't, even when I photograph nudes, which I do actually do quite often, it's, they're never like where they feel in the realm of like glamour playboy-ish. Like it's, that's yeah. not... Cause that's, and, and again, not that that's uh, not, uh, you know, a different way of photographing the nude, but it's not my vision and my style. So well, it, it carries mind, through whatever I do. You said very specifically that you don't want to talk about pricing. Right. Now we don't have to talk about pricing, but what I would like to do is talk about why you don't want to talk about pricing. Okay. So the reason, and I've done, I've done pricing before. And the reason why I hate talking about pricing on podcasts or basically almost anywhere is because price really is so dependent on who you are, where you mm. are, what the demand is, what you have to offer. And this is something that I stress to my clients all the time when they are price shopping. I'm like, if you're going to price shop, you really have to be able to compare apples to apples. Yeah. You know, you can't say Jen is charging $300 for a session and True is charging $3,000 for a session. Obviously, Jed is the be better package. Right. However, right. <laughs> you, you what does that include? You know, yeah. uh, what's involved in that. And for me, my, I mean, I'm very, my sessions are very, um, I spend a lot of time with each one of my clients. So I'm very invested in them. They are very invested in me. And when, when photographers uh, message me and say, well, what do you charge for a session or what should I charge for a session? Um, and it, it's hard for me to answer that because I don't know who you are. I don't right. know how long you've been in business. I don't right. know how great your, your, work is your instagram portfolio might look amazing but do you deliver you know right. is it is it the two good portraits you took of that whole session out of a thousand <laughs> images right are you able to deliver a hundred amazing images i don't know right. that um so i think pricing is just something i i try to stay away from because i have so many people that say well true charge is forty five hundred dollars I'm going to charge $4,500 because that, that has to be the going rate. Right. Um, and it's not, it just isn't. Um, and I think that, I think as photographers, um, you know, I think in the beginning, what I was hearing from so many people when I was starting out in the business is you have to be this price or you're just not worth being in the business. And, and I'm going to say definitely value yourself and your time. And I, I always encourage anybody that mentors with me, like your time is valuable. Make sure that you're being compensated for that. However, we are all in a different place and time in our careers, yep. in our life and how you structure something may not work for me, but it works for you and how you price something maybe is what you see is, is the value that you're delivering, but it might not be for me, but I am no place to say you're wrong and I'm right. I am done giving myself excuses. And I think that's a lot of it. I think, I, I think that we, as a human, it's so much easier to point the blame and point the finger on everybody else, but this mm. way, you know, when I point it this way, there's four of these, yeah. questions, oh, whatever, yeah. coming back at me, whatever, right. whatever that saying is. And, I think that's true. I, I think, you know, this, 
I choose to be stronger. I I choose happy. I choose I choose life. I I choose yeah. to make things better around me. I choose um, to try to make my business better. I choose to want to make a difference in in the lives of the families that I touch with my images. Um, I I choose that. That's a choice, and it's a commitment I make to myself. And and you know, people wonder why people with addictions kind of come and go through addictions. And I, you know, why you can kick it for three years at a time and then you fall off the wagon or right, whatever, right. whatever your addiction is. And um, I think you have to get to a point where you find it within yourself to make that choice. And once you do, once you're clear, it's become so easy. Like, I don't ever want to pick up another drink because I don't want to jeopardize how happy I am. Oh, oh boy. Okay, I just said it. There it is. <laughs> you know, I, I choose this for me and for my family and for mm. my friends and for my clients and for the people around me, just like I would want anybody fighting an addiction to choose mm. to fight. Um, and, and I use, I use this, um, I use this experience every day because it fuels me to want to be better for my business. Like I, I, I want to come through this well, and I want to start fresh and, and I am using COVID and this situation and this period of time to come out fighting. And I've given myself a deadline. Um, it happens to coincide with our, our weather pattern here in Arizona. Um, my portrait garden will be overseeded and beautiful in October. So I'm spending September to redo my website, to redo my marketing material, to get everything in place to where when I launch, I'm coming out fighting because I want people here in my town and in my community to see that I am still here and that I have really great ideas and new concepts and things that they never thought of before, never heard of before. And um, I think they're looking for that. I think uh, your clients are looking to you for help. There's a book called Start With Why that uh, was written by Simon Sinek. Um, that uh, oh, was yeah. a hugely popular book. Uh, he's a very smart man, uh, brilliant mind. Um, I happen to disagree uh, with, with Start With Why. Um, you can't start with why you have to start with what, so what are your non-negotiables? What are your, uh, deeply held personal core values? Because that's what your purpose is born out of. And so if those words are not included in your purpose, then your what and your why are not aligned. And thus you can't stay committed to any goal that you establish. So for me, <clears throat> it became writing about writing about these black sheep values. The book is called Black Sheep, Unleash mm -hmm. the Extraordinary, Awe-Inspiring, Undiscovered You. Well, that subtitle is all about people winging it. Uh, you know, over the last two years, I've asked tens of thousands of people in my talks, uh, you know, can they in one or two succinct sentences tell me what their life's purpose is? And the answer is no. Um, then I say, can you tell me what your non-negotiables are? Give me those five or six non-negotiables that uh, you live your life by, those personal core values. Nobody can do it. A fraction of a fraction of a percent of people can actually do it. So that's what made me write the book. So for me, those non-negotiables, those black sheep values, you know, the, the, the title of the book comes from a little piece of, of information that I got when I was 47 years old. Uh, I had no idea why farmers didn't value black sheep like the rest of the flock. I thought it was, I don't know, they were, you know, our, our idea of what a black sheep is, uh, come to find out, was born out of a lie. And so this idea that they are the excommunicated, they are the ones that are sort right. of off, off to the side and um, is born out of the fact that a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. So every black sheep is in fact, 100% authentically original. And when I heard that, I'm like, holy shit, I, I've thought that I was, uh, you know, a, being a black sheep was a bad thing for right. most of my life. And then I realized that my ultimate goal in life is to be 100% authentically original that that right. person I was created to be. You've had a chance to talk with 
just some of the most fill in the blank interesting yeah inspiring yeah. uh you know innovative uh you know important you know people in the yeah. industry yeah uh surely it's it's had an impact on you yes um and i'm curious how either you know are there themes of stuff that you feel like in talking to so many people that have have that have surfaced and have impacted you or are there very are there specific conversations or even specific there are things that have I think, been, been said that ha- that have yeah. stuck with you yeah i think the i think one of the biggest realizations that i've had is how similar everybody is that are that are similarities regardless of regardless of how we're perceived as human beings that our similarities are they they outnumber our differences and especially our perceived differences so much i've talked to like you said some pretty powerful influence influencers in this industry and 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 a lot of times we'll we'll have the po- the podcast right and then we'll shut we'll stop recording and then we'll talk more for like any sometimes 20 20 minutes 30 minutes with some of these people and they really share stuff they really open up then because i think on during the podcast they're 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 starting to feel safe you know and and then we we turn it off and they feel even safer because nothing's being recorded at that point and those conversations some of those i wish i had recorded but you know that's just not a it wouldn't even make sense at that point because that's not for anybody else. Some mm-hmm. of those conversations, those are the things that I've really, those, some of those talks are the ones that I really cherish. Um, because I've, I realized through those that, you know, this person, everyone thinks that this person's life is perfect. Right. And some of that is by design in mm-hmm. the way that we present ourselves on social media. Right. Cause we, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us have brands, like a lot of people have brands, like they are the brand. So they present things a certain way, mm-hmm. and I get that. Mm-hmm. But you you sit down with somebody and they share something, you know, that they're really struggling with. And some people do this on the podcasts too. But I, I you you hear these things and you just think, man, you we're, you're just like everybody else. You're not Superman or Superwoman or whatever. Like mm. you struggle with that too. I struggle with that sometimes. Or I had a problem like that once. Or I know. 10 other people that have said the same exact thing, you know, like imposter syndrome has been a big thing that people have talked about, you know, where they just feel like they're they're not really who people think they are and they're not really all that capable and they're not really all that good at this out of the other depression Mm. has been something that, that people have, have brought up repeatedly, Mm -hmm. you know, people that you would never think, um, Gary Hughes did that on a whole podcast was about that. Mm -hmm. I would have never guess that about Gary but that was his point Mm. is that you don't know what people are are dealing with or struggling with it's it's certainly not on the surface most of the time Mm -hmm. and I I think that 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 has been the thing that has been the most sobering for me um Mm. to to just realize that we we are all these (laughs) we're all these fragile creatures in a sense right Mm -hmm. you know regardless of of who people think we are and sometimes who we think we are ourselves. You know, we, we, we have vulnerabilities and we have challenges that we face and we have obstacles and hurdles that are thrown at us in all kinds of different ways in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and we're all, whether we like it or not, we're all just going through this all together at the same time. Right. And so it's, I think for me, it's been a matter of perspective. It's had like a, a, a big paradigm shift in, in the way that I see things in general mm. is that it kind of puts everyone on a, on a level playing field. I have, I have a big interview with somebody today that I'm nervous about, but then I remember that piece mm. and that is comforting to me mm. that this guy's going to walk in here and I'm going to sit down with him and I'm going to talk with him and I've never spoken to him before, but I've known about him for a very long time. Mm. And so I'm nervous about that because he has this status in my mind you know, this iconic status Mm -hmm. in my mind and has for a long time. But I know he's just a dude like me and like you. Mm -hmm. And he's got a lot of the same issues or dealt with a a lot of the same stuff that both of us have. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, because he's a dad and he's a he's a he's a husband and he's he's a man and he Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of stuff that we have in common mm-hmm. um, that levels that out. Mm-hmm. And, that, and there's, there's comfort there for me. The essence of greatness is enough humility to recognize that right. you have to practice intensely to get great at what you're doing. So humility is what you're getting at, if I can sum it up quick for myself, yeah. is that humility is an integral piece of greatness. Yeah. If you, if you are if you're too proud to recognize where you're falling short, you'll never f- correct those deficiencies and you'll never become great. You'll never become even really, really good. Because innate talent can't get you to the point of really, really good. Innate talent gets you to, you're pretty good, but you embarrass yourself by thinking you're better than you really are. So, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it, I, I think maybe my version of you suck at what you do. <laughs> well, it's hyperbole. Is a comparison between where you think you are and where you and actually are. where you are. are. Right. And that means... That gulf. You can, yeah, that gulf is what sucks about well, That's That's you. where suck is, in the gulf. Right. Right. Okay. And everybody's got... It's not like everybody has, like... It's not like I have one thing in life, and I'm either amazing at it or I suck at it, because there's 20 things I'm doing in life. Mm-hmm. And the question is, what what are you great at and actually great at? What are you talented at, but you need to advance and you have the humility to admit that? Mm-hmm. And then where are the areas that you suck? Mm-hmm. You know, and you think you're good enough, so you just keep going on innate talent, but you actually need to improve and, and you're not seeing it. You know, and, and you have to take personal stock of that because I'll tell you, uh, so. Where do I suck? Because there are things that I suck at. You ask at. yourself that? Yeah. What am I not actually good at? What is something that you're actually not good at? I'm not really good at being a great, like, <laughs> present dad. Are you telling me that you suck at being a dad? Maybe. What? Because I'm too busy doing my other things. And I'm so, I, I recognized this the other day, actually, and it was kind of a, a shocker to me. I was looking at a picture of my, uh, so I, I had a, um, a, a studio opening, um, and I had this party and I had my son at the party uh-huh. and I, we took a picture. This is my oldest son. Yes. Got a picture of the two of us. And to me, that was yesterday, right? Okay. In my head, that was yesterday. And I, and it popped up in Lightroom because I was looking for something else. I was looking for like an American flag or something and there was American flag in it. So the AI popped it up. Sure. So I see my son and my son who is now taller than me, 16 years old, was up to my chest and baby faced and just this cute smiley little kid. And I thought, oh my gosh. I have just missed six years. It's been it's been six years. Six years of it, his life. I've realized I don't even know where it went. And and it's not like you know how people just say, "Oh, it's been so fast," and I don't know where it went. That's what I'm thinking right now. But it's not it's that. more than that because the amount of time that I have spent with him, like doing things together is so minimal because I've been spending time, you know, traveling to shoot weddings or traveling to teach people and whatever. And I just realized I'm, I've missed six years and it went by so fast. And I don't think that I utilized that six years well enough with him. I mean, we're still, you know, good relationship. He's still a good kid. It's not like he's gone off the rails or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I realized that I thought I was better as a dad than I really am. I was looking through your your website and I was reading your blog. And I think it was last August you posted that, oh, you know, I have baby baby number two coming. And I've got some really big things happening next May. Well, of course... Lots of things have happened since then, but 
one of the things that happened is that you had your second baby. Yeah. What's what has it been like for you? All right. So not not the virus, not the pandemic. Right, 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 right. Yeah. What has it been like for you to continue on as um a a leader and an influencer in our industry <sighs> the as you become a mom again, like you became a mom a, a few years ago. You're you're a mom again now, and two kids is more than one. So <laughs> so there's more there's more time that needs to be given to to yes. family, right? How yeah. how do you how do you work that out? Uh, I don't have an answer for you. I mean, like I don't want to pretend I know it all. It's just every day I'm struggling. Every day I'm still thinking, should I go look for a full time job? You know, I'm I'm not. Do you lie. really? Do you yes, really think every that? Every time I I, I, sh- I struggle, but at the end of the day, and then there's always something reminding me that maybe I need to persevere. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that something is that you know it's now that being I okay. So let me try back. So back then when I before kids, yeah. Before I have any kids, so I do photography pretty much for myself, yeah, and yeah. it's just for the sake of promo- promoting my own name and like right. promoting like how good I can be an artist, how good I can be a photographer. Right. So ever since you know having kids involved, then it changed quite a bit of the perspective, mm. and it's no longer about myself anymore. It's it's becoming um, when I do this set of picture for for this client. Um, and like at the end, I it's not about like it, it's not about like how good I get praise from the client. Yeah. It's, it's about like how my kids to perceive mommy as a role model. That oh. kind of thinking, it's swap, it's change thinking, right? So um, it's it's about like you know how mommy should you know how she be. It's like what she's going to do in difficult situation, like how she persevere through hard time and difficulties and challenges, how she, you know, pivot business, somehow make it work and still trying to survive this thing. And something that, you know, she's like, you know, mommy is passionate and then like she couldn't stop talking about it and how could she wouldn't give up so easily. You know, that kind of thinking, that kind of, feels me at the end of the day and not to give up too easily. I'm saying when you said oh, yeah. I, you're like, I'm not going to shoot, you know, saying I'm not going to do volume. I'm not going to do school kids, but now you do. I'm, I'm asking saying you had to get yeah. over that. Yeah. I, I found when I had a staff of six downtown, I moved out of my little 20 by 20 studio and I moved to a 2,500 square foot studio. Yeah. I had the big sales room. I had everything going on, right? It was like the 40 by 50 seamless cove white studio. And at that time, Nanaimo was 80,000 people. Mm. Why do I need it? I needed this ego. I wore fancy dress shirts and pointy shoes and really nice jeans. And you know what? I spent more time on the phone negotiating weddings and commercial. (laughs) And I had other people shooting. And I'm so grateful for that for that crash in Mm. 2008 Mm -hmm. because I remember sitting in my driveway with all my furniture in my old little house going literally Facebook marketplace was kind of new. I think I don't even think marketplace was there, but I was just like free couch, you know, free like bamboo shoots from the corner of my studio. I gave it all away and I started from scratch. And that was the most humbling experience at Mm. 33 was I didn't get into this to run a massive studio. I got into this because I love interacting with people and I love capturing images. I want to get to what what drives you the most, not just as a businessman, not just as a photographer, but also as a person. You know, all 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 this stuff considered, like what what pushes you the most? What are you most motivated by? I I think it goes back to, in my life, it's always gone back to being successful, whatever it is you want to pull off. So my definition what's of success, success is, well, I think it's making a plan and pulling it off. No matter what it is. So whatever the plan is, the plan could be to walk across the room. If I do that, I'm successful. There we go. I walked across the room. Perfect. 
Phenomenal. You're motivated by making a goal and accomplishing that goal. Yeah, that's it drives me. Yeah. 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 And it's always been. And and the, the thing about it that's interesting is that I it took me a while to to understand that I was not, you know, that competitive by nature uh, with other people. What I am is I'm competitive with myself. Uh, and I'm because I, I when I was training for the Olympics, I was like, these guys that I'm sailing against are so good and they're shellacking me and they're just beating me up all over the place, left, right and center. And when I realized was, yeah, they were really good, but I kept getting better and I kept getting closer to them. Yeah. And then when it got to the to game time where I was up to speed with them and I'm neck and neck with them and all of a sudden I'm falling apart with nerves because the world champions right now, right behind me coming down my tail it wasn't had didn't have anything to do with him. It right. was nothing to do with him. Right. It was me the whole time. Yeah. So all the you once you take that responsibility on, it's a huge uh weight off your shoulders or weight on your shoulders, however you want to look at it. But that's why when photographers get nasty with me about like, well, this guy down the street did this and this guy copied this and this guy's doing that and that guy's doing this and that person slashed their rates and blah, 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 blah. And this person took my clients. All of that is like total crap because you're focused on them when it's really you. It's got nothing to do with them. Like if you were such a badass, you would never, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't even be able to see you and like, let alone get near you, you know? You think that's one um, of the secrets of the people that are successful, including yourself, is that you don't concern yourself with others like that? Not at all. Not at all. And if somebody does kick my ass, I'm like, what did I do wrong? What am I doing? What, what do I have to do? What not necessarily heck? what did they do right, but what am I not doing right? Exactly. Well, Mark Cuban said this, and I don't know how exactly it is. He said, he said, I just try and figure out what I would need to do to kick my own ass, and I do that. <laughs> I was like, that's good. I like that one. That's fantastic. I like that. <clears throat> I mean, that's really all it is. Like, what's somebody going to do? Like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, how much are you invested in what you're doing? Like, are you committed like 100% or are you not? You know, this, this, this notion of being, you know, everybody says, oh, I'm 110% committed. Well, let me see it. 